Yo, what's good, y'all? Welcome to the John Cat Show, episode number 24. 24. We're doing two go tonight. I said last week 23 was the goat. 24, Kobe. Shout out my man, Kobe. I was a bigger Kobe fan even than uh, than Jordan. That's my team. I don't want to get emotional talking about my man, Kobe. So we'll move on from that. Episode 24. Thank you so much for tuning in, downloading, subscribing, all that stuff. I really, 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 truly appreciate you guys. Back at it, uh, trying to give you uh, an episode or two a week here. So I mentioned last week, I really wanted to get into some of the current events uh, that are going on right now. And this a lot of the narratives that keep coming up over and over and over again, you know, uh, they keep repeating themselves and reappearing. Uh, you know, you've got the the Derek Chauvin is on trial right right now. The uh, the George Floyd case, I'm sure everybody's been seeing, you know, on every channel and social media and everything else. Uh, you've got some shootings lately, some mass shootings. You've got, um, you know, a lot of talk about, uh, you know, Asian violence is another one. So I, want, I wanted to get into some of this stuff and, and some of the narratives surrounding it and, and maybe some of the conversations people should be having because I, I feel like people like to have conversations that have nothing to do with what the actual issues are. And again, you know, I have a very, very tiny audience here, but if uh if i can contribute in any way to sparking the type of discourse that that i feel like is going to be beneficial to everybody then hell why not so okay first of all um you know as far as law enforcement goes police officers law enforcement and and specifically with this george floyd case you know the idea that we attribute not we the idea that many people attribute racism uh to, to a lot of these cases. And I've talked about this before with, with this case and with other cases, but with the Chauvin Floyd case in particular, you know, A, it, it doesn't, anybody can see, anyone can see that Derek Chauvin didn't act the way he's supposed to act. I mean, his own, his own superior officers are coming up one after the other going that, no, you don't lay someone on your face and put your knee on their neck for nine minutes. Of course not. Duh. Okay. But, where do we get into he did it because he's racist? Does he have racism in his past? I don't know. I don't think that's come up right. Um, by the way, they don't, if you'll notice something, they don't bring up racism in court, right? You know, if you watch CNN or MSNBC or whatever, that's the narrative that we're having a racial reckoning because of. Uh, these racial killings, right? But is it being charged as a hate crime? Is there any evidence that it was racially motivated? And again, what's the equation people use because it's a white officer and the the perpetrator that died is black? What if what if the Asian officer that was standing next to him, what if he had done that with his knee? What if the cop that did it was half black and the guy that died was a quarter black but darker skinned than the cop? Like, you start getting into, right? So, like, where, in other words, it's not even anecdotal what they're doing. It's beyond anecdotal. It's like, it's like some ESP. It's like some minority report shit. It's like, it's not even, they're just assigning their own, in other words, what evidence is there 
of racism other than the pigment of each person's skin. And then obviously, and look, every year, go back last year, 2020, 200-something black people killed by cops, 400-something white people killed by cops. Obviously, there are a lot more white people in the country, but none of those 400-something people were considered racism. And the amount of unarmed people killed by cops is very, very low. I pointed out before, in 2019, it was 14 uh, black people were killed by police that were considered unarmed, 13 of whom were deemed to have been resisting arrest. It's a very, very, very small number. So, A, there's no evidence of racism in these cases. And then, B, even if you did think something about racism, it still wouldn't be any type of barometer or measuring stick for any type of systemic racism on top of that. If you want to get into things like, well, why are cops interacting with certain communities more? That's a different conversation. But if you're saying that he killed this man out of racial intent, you got to have some evidence to back that up. And then it's it's bizarre because you're basically saying, look, this cop, he was a cop for what, 17 years? That, that he was so racist that he was just, what, biding his time so he could just take out somebody one day, like, for the racial the racial cause. It, it doesn't jibe with what people understand about human behavior and human nature. There's, there's, so you got to ask yourself, well, are they, are they implementing this racial narrative because they believe it? Or... Or is there some type of, you know, aim behind it? The conquering divide. What happens too, and I, I brought this up recently, is the, when people, and again, I say left, right a lot. I'm just I'm calling out the behavior I see. I, you know, I generalize a lot. Generally speaking, what I see is this. The people on the left, they bring these narratives in to these cases you know, there's no evidence to back up this racial narrative. So let's talk about this Floyd case. All day, every day, it's race, 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 race. And then what happens is it makes people on the right less willing to even be objective about some things because it's like, even if they know, you know, Chauvin was just completely, you know, in other words, it makes people unwilling to give an inch because they feel like if they give an inch of objectivity, if, that if people on the right give the left an inch, that they're admitting to these phony narratives. It makes people afraid to just speak pragmatically about things because they feel like by acknowledging the one thing, they're now acknowledging these 10 other things you attach to it. It's kind of like what they do with these bills in Congress. They attach all these other things and they go, well, You guys voted against a bill to save kids with leprosy. And they're like, we only voted against it because you stuck in some trillion dollar thing for your buddy in Silicon Valley. And they go, ignore that pork part of it. It's like, you can't just attach 10 issues to something where they don't belong. And when you do attach 10 issues where they don't belong, people don't want to acknowledge the one real issue because then they feel like they're acknowledging the 10 that you attach to it. Does that make sense? So it makes the argument very counterproductive and nobody's having the right conversation. This shouldn't be a conversation about race. If you want to talk about police reform, I've said this before, just real quick. You know, if you don't want a guy like Derek Chauvin come showing up to a scene and some dude's freaking out, ODing, and his response is, let me lay him on the prone position and put pressure on the back of his neck. 
And then when he's completely lit, I mean, look, anybody knows in a fight, you people have been around fights. You see someone go limp, everyone goes, all right, man, he's had enough. Like, get off of him. Nobody, the fucking guy's cuffed, bro. Come on. Everything else aside, his criminal history side, whether he's a good, I don't, like I said, I don't think I'd want to be friends with Chauvin or Floyd. I'm not judging if somebody's a good dude or a bad dude. Body goes limp, you get the fuck up. Common sense, one on one. So, what do you do for better cops? Again, there's so many things you could do. One, as far as the grappling and stuff, these guys should be grappling and training more. You know who doesn't choke people to death? Guys who do chokes every day in, in, in a and get choked every day in a gym with a coach. People that are used to doing these things all the time, they should be requiring jujitsu certification for every. A lot of cops do it, but they're doing it on their own time, their own dime. They should be requiring these certifications. One, you're going to learn all these skills, but more importantly, you're going to be calm and you're going to understand what you're doing. You're going to be used, excuse me, you're going to be used to having somebody lay on you and apply pressure to you and not freak out. You're going to feel calmer and cooler and collected when you do get in a situation where you're, let's say, grappling with a guy in a car for 10 minutes. I'll tell you what, you know, people say, oh, Chauvin was so calm. He was so calm. I don't think he was that calm. To me, he looked like somebody that actually didn't handle pressure well. He had just struggled with this dude for a few minutes. And then he had this weird, you know, this weird wannabe alpha mentality of like, to me, he looked zoned the fuck out. His eyes looked vacant. I don't know what he was thinking to me, you know. people aren't used to being in high pressure situations. They respond all kinds of weird ways. They get really quiet. He wasn't talking. Who doesn't say anything? You don't say anything to the other cops. You don't say anything to each other. It's no wonder people thought it was like some MK ultra event. They're all acting like weird zombies on there. You know, a couple side notes about that. Uh, All all the racial stuff aside for a minute, just a couple points I've noticed from watching the, the Chauvin coverage. That's number one is, you know, all these people that, um, that, that, you know, keep testifying and, and they keep showing all these videos, everyone's just standing there. Like, I'm not talking about the, the, um, the bystanders, the bystanders were very vocal and they kept, that's the other thing. If you're Chauvin and you're sitting on this guy's neck, you could argue, oh, maybe you got 10 people yelling at you. Hey dude, maybe this guy's dead, you know, check his pulse, bro. Like, it's like more reason you should have been like, what? Oh, my fault. Like none of the other cops were like, hey, bro, maybe you want to just get off real quick. Like, so <laughs> they always talk about how, uh, you know, murder defendants will almost never testify in their own trials because it's very risky to do that. The the they, they're going to cross examine the shit out of you, the prosecution. They're going to trip you up in a million ways. And then defense attorneys don't want to get blamed for that. So if you're going to, if you're going to prison and the defense attorney lets you go on the stand and then you get convicted, uh, he, they're going to go, the guy made a huge mistake putting you on the stand. So they don't want to even take that risk. But in this case, I feel like he should take the stand because right now, all we know about this dude is that he doesn't speak and and he, he barely talked to that. Like he's got a mask on in court. You can't even see his face. So like, you gotta humanize this guy a little bit, and for a few in a few ways. One, let him tell his side of the story. 
you know, it, it, all you're hearing is other people say why you did what he did. Like if I was ever on trial, I would make my attorney let me get up there. Like you're going to let me maybe go to prison without me talking directly to the jury and telling my side. That's crazy. I'm not putting my fate in someone's hands like that. So I feel like he should get up there. He should, you got to humanize him. I'm sure he's got a life, a girlfriend or why. I don't know his story. He's got a family. Maybe he plays basketball with disabled kids or something. Who knows? Humanize him. And then plus like, maybe he feels bad. Maybe he'll get up there and like, you'll see like legit emotion out of the guy. Like if anything, it might help him in sentencing. I say, get him up there. Here's the other thing. I wouldn't want to be a witness in this case for either side. Like it's weird how, and I get that the jury decides this guy's fate, right? But it's weird how we go to such great lengths to uh, protect the jurors identities, but they don't do so with the witnesses. I wouldn't want to be, imagine you're going up there and and giving your name and everything and like you could be a key witness that ends up deciding his fate too there's fringe crazy people out there on both sides like uh, it's weird to me that uh some of these people don't have the right to be like hey man like blur out my face and you know make me sound like uh, kermit or something uh and then here's the other thing i want to point out and this is just a complete side note you know they talked a lot about the blood choke i don't know if people haven't been watching this trial, they're going to go, what is this dude talking about? But one of the witnesses uh, early on was this guy that happened to come on, come upon the scene. And he's apparently a trained MMA guy and a wrestler. And he was testifying all about applying blood chokes, which is when you cut off people's circulation so that they pass out. And it's common in MMA. Every choke in MMA is designed to be a blood choke. You want the guy to go to sleep. That's not true. There's a couple chokes in MMA that are actually pain chokes, but 90% of the chokes that you'd see in like the UFC, they're blood chokes. We used to play when we were kids. I don't know if we're just crazy psycho kids. Maybe you guys did. It was called the pass out game. We didn't even call it the pass out game. We just make each other pass out. You would breathe heavy and then you lean back and your buddy would press against your neck and you pass out in like five seconds. It's an up. So that's the point. Okay. So a true blood choke when you're cutting off the, the blood on the sides of the neck behind with the legs there's a million chokes those people lose consciousness in under 10 seconds right there is no blood choke to the back of the neck so the guy kept saying oh i could tell it's a blood choke and this and that but it's just a complete aside it just uh it bothered me that they got that wrong and again nothing to do with you can obviously kill a guy you have him face down in the street and if he's having trouble breathing and he's on drugs and he's got a bad heart and a million other things you got your knee in the back of his neck. For sure, you can make him die a million ways, but, you know, it's weird that they brought the guy up who's supposed to be an MMA expert and then had him talk about how it's a blood choke when it's not actually a blood choke. And I don't know, just felt like pointing that out as a consistency. I was talking about that online the other day too. Okay, um, here's something else that that came up recently, and it, it's so true. And I've heard this from multiple people recently, which is, they don't do this in other countries. I mean, some of the Western cultures now do a little of what we're doing and their liberals are very similar. But in a lot of countries, what I mean is they're not constantly on about race and gender and pronouns. And, and uh, you know, the left in this country loves to label and categorize everybody. And it's like, 
that that's racist that's sexist that's massage like like everything has to have a label now like what color is your skin oh you belong to this group what color oh you belong like they don't get it they're they're the the left in the name of and again you got to separate the people from the top who know better from the people down at the bottom who don't know better and we were just blindly following along on emotion but these people are purposefully at the top pushing this narrative to conquer and divide everybody and put every like why are you putting everybody in the groups for like that is segregation that is racism i don't how much clearer does it have to be there's been so many memes on the fact that like the things that the left is calling for mimic exactly stuff that like actual you know fascists and conquerors in history used to say when they were trying to achieve the exact opposite cause of what these people supposedly profess to achieve. But then it makes you wonder what the people at the top, what their, what the people at the top, what their true objectives are. Again, forgetting even races. There's nothing more condescending, nothing more demeaning than saying like, you're part of this group. Therefore you can't do this thing that I did, or you're not able to achieve this thing that this other group did. They could, they call it the, the soft bigotry of low expectations. All right, look at Joe Biden. Okay, they call Trump racist for four years. They call the man racist every day for four years, right? I've never seen any figure, forget president, I've never seen any figure get called racist more than Donald Trump, ever. It's not even close, ever. Ask people why he's racist. They will name the same two or three things every time. They will say, he called Mexicans rapists. They'll bring up some rental lawsuit, actually, from his dad. Something about his dad not renting to African Americans in like the 50s or something. Okay. Then they bring up that. They bring up that he called Mexicans rapists, which he didn't. He, he correctly stated that a lot of illegal immigrants coming up through the southern border are rapists. And murder. Look at the stats. Texas alone, there was like tens of thousands of sexual assaults in one year. In one state, in one year, there were tens of thousands of sexual assaults from illegal immigrants. So stop it. That's it. Now, his language might have been a little harsh for you. Okay. Makes him a racist. And then they say, well, he said there's fine people on both sides. He called white supremacists fine people. He did not. So and everyone knows he didn't. He said there are fine people in the statute debate, and he said, I'm not talking about white supremacists. So here you have an example of they call the guy racist every day. And if there's if there's if you have proof the man's racist, the man spent his life working with every minority, black people, Jewish people, everybody, he's a white supremacist. No one ever called him that in business. So the media and Dems call him racist every day based on him saying a factual statistic about immigration, and then some shit that they made up about fine people, which has been debunked. That's their argument. Now take Joe. Take Joe. In the 70s, like right before I was born, Joe's on the Senate floor arguing in favor of segregating schools. He didn't want to, these are his words. Joe Biden, the current president, did not want to bus black people into what he called white schools because he didn't want to create what he called a racial jungle. Trump's never said some shit like that. 
Then Joe's running with, with Obama in 08. And they're interviewing Joe, <clears throat> asking him about Obama. And Joe says, hey, yeah. No, man, it's the stuff of, these are his words. He says, that's the stuff of storybooks, man. He's like, he's the first black candidate who's clean and articulate. Again, his words. I don't want you to take it down for saying racist shit. That's racist. You're saying he's the first clean and articulate black candidate? What are you talking about? But he, he always says stuff like that. He 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 said uh, the very similar, you know, remember on the trail, he goes, uh, you know, uh, poor kids are just as talented and just as bright as white kids. What? And then he tried to correct himself. Then he said recently how minorities don't know how to use the internet. I mean, look. So, I mean, that's what we're talking about with the soft, the, the, the soft bigotry of low expectations. But it's not even soft; it's fucking overt. So compare those two things. Those those five things I was just talking about with Joe, with the the racial jungle and wanting segregation and calling Obama clean and articulate, saying that minorities can't use the internet, and on and on. Like, you think Donald Trump's more racist than this guy? You can't even mention racism in the same breath as as Joe Biden. People would be like, "What? It's absurd." You, you could create any narrative you want. And if you wanted to take the statements that I just mentioned that Joe has said, you could actually make him seem. And 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 then the crime bill. People always talk about the crime bill. We put all those African-American people in prison. He supported that. Like, on and on and on. But what? Trump said a couple things in a harsh way that you didn't like. And then you guys made up some shit he said about white supremacists that he didn't even say. I'll give you a better example of twisting narratives and, and lack thereof of narratives. Look at look at a couple weeks ago we had the uh the shooting in Boulder, Colorado. Okay. So let me get this straight. Help me out with understanding this logic, right? You got the Derek Chauvin case where he killed George Floyd. No evidence other than he's a white guy and Floyd's a black guy. No evidence of racism, but but they're happy to call it racism on TV every day. Okay. But now you have this case in Colorado, a Syrian man who came here as a refugee, like in 2002, I believe. So almost 20 years ago, 19 years ago, a Syrian refugee decides to go into a grocery store in Boulder, Colorado with a rifle and kill 10 white people. Now, again, I'm not even saying, well, pretty fucking not. Let's say you can't conclude until you have a little more info or whatever that you can't conclude what this man's motivations are. You'll never, you'll never hear the media say that that was uh, racially motivated. Like, in other words, so you can have one white cop kill one black suspect, and that's racism. But now you can have a Syrian Muslim refugee kill 10 white people. And it doesn't even, the question doesn't even come up. And to make it even crazier, if you want to know why they don't talk about it, Joe Biden just bombed fucking Syria for no reason and sent more troops to Syria. Like, they're not connecting these dots on purpose. If you think, okay, look, this man, he's been here almost 20 years. So it's a pure coincidence. He comes here in 02, he's a teenager or a kid, or a teenager, and then he lives here for almost 20 years, and then a month after Joe Biden comes into office, bombs his home country, sends more troops to his home country, 
He just happens to decide to go into a grocery store and take out 10 people. And the debate they want to have is gun control. It's like they're happy. They're happy to mislabel shit all day. When if it's a narrative, people always go, oh, they won't talk about this one because it doesn't fit the narrative. It's beyond that. Like they're happy to just mislabel, mislabel, mislabel all day. And then like there really comes along one where like it should be labeled as something. Feels like Islamic terrorism. And by the way, like the number one reason jihadists always say, like they've always said since 9-11 and every other attack, if you if you you ask them their reasoning, they say they don't want foreign troops on their soil. They always say that. If you wonder why, and I'm not saying we should kowtow to real real threats and things like that, because fuck those guys, right? But if they're not a threat, think about it this way. Look under the Trump administration. How many of these attacks do we have? And I am clairvoyant, clairvoyant by the way. I tweeted many times. I said, wait, we're going to hear from ISIS and Al-Qaeda and these assholes again now that Joe's in office. And we are. There's going to be more. We need to actually identify that shit the way it should be identified. But we didn't have them under Trump. And look at what Trump was doing. Trump was always trying to bring troops home. And then at the end, remember, he brought even more troops home. People, well, he shouldn't have done that. He was just trying to fulfill a campaign promise on his way out. At least it was his aim, you know. He wasn't bombing these. Remember, Trump took out that Iranian fucker in Syria like precision strike and they went nuts like oh he's gonna start world war three yada yada bro biden comes in office for no reason just bombs and kills like 18 people in syria and he said that's oh, from some rocket they fired a couple weeks earlier in, in libya or some shit like what and then this dude goes and just to the store there's no correlation there and then this this took the other day this guy runs over two cops at the at the Capitol, kills two, uh, excuse me, kills one Capitol cop. I think the other one's still in the hospital. Jumps out of the car with a knife. They kill him. He's he was uh, happened to be an African American nation of Islam or whatever. That, I think the cops were white. That's not racism. It's like, in fact, when they mention that story, they they <laughs> they link it to the insurrection it's like they actually can't talk about the i don't know i'm not i'm not laughing at tragedies i'm laughing at the insane surrealness of the hypocrisy and irony that like when you say these things it's like they can't even mention the guy that just ran over two cops without going and this is the second murder we've had at the capitol in a month first we had the insurrection murder and now this one so like they try to tie it to the ins- the insurrection. It's frustrating. Objectivity's gone. Pragmatic thought gone. You know, again, uh, there there's there's nothing there's nothing worse than trying to divide and conquer everybody with bullshit narratives, so that you can make people afraid and vulnerable and malleable and make them reliant on you. So that they'll vote a certain way or or uh, take up your cause. It's like name something more evil than that, you know, than than knowing better and trying to trick people. Or like, and again, if you're a successful person and you see people who are really struggling or really in pain, you know, a you're taking that and you're manipulating it, like for for personal gain, which is. Like, again, it's the sickest thing you can do, but 
if you really wanted to help, like you would, you would give them the the tools and information that allowed you to succeed. And I, I'll rant about it forever. I always talk about Kevin Hart does that. There are people that do outreach in communities where their main objective is to lift people up and not say, Hey man, you gotta, you know, uh, rely on the government for this program or you're being kept down because of, you know, systemic racism or whatever it is. They don't, they don't even talk about that. They go, Hey, you want to succeed? I was in your position. I had a really, you know, steep hill to climb. This is what I did. This is how I did it. This is the information I was lacking to be able to do it, but I'm going to give you the tools and information someone gave me and you could do it too. Like, wow, that's fucking inspirational. That's amazing. You tell people, hey, you sit back. Like, I was fortunate or lucky, and, you know, you, you probably can't do what I did. Just, you know, we'll take care of you. <sighs> so gross, right? Like, I even, I saw a video with Shaq the other day, Shaquille O'Neal. They, um, some people, it was like one of these inspirational Facebook videos. Like, some some people had called the cops on these kids playing basketball in the street. Like, some fucking Karen called the cops that they were being too loud. So the cops showed up, and they were like, Psst. They go, fuck the guy that called the cops. Like, you're welcome to play ball. And the cops started shooting hoop with the kids. And uh, and then the cops came back like a, a week or two later with Shaq. And Shaq got out and hooped with these kids for a while. But when they were done hooping, Shaq went up to the kids. And he's like, listen. He's like, I came from this exact type neighborhood, this exact type of street. He's like, trust me. Like, you, you, you can make something out of yourself. You can get out of here. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. Like, He's going up to all these kids saying that type of thing. And it's like, you can't have enough of that message. That's the message. That's that's the only message. Independence, not reliance. Um, you should be always telling people that they're capable of the same shit you're capable of. It may not be in the exact same capacity. It's like, well, yeah, I'm an electrical engineer, whatever. I write code. Like, yeah, maybe you can't write code, but... People should always be attempting to broaden other people's perspectives, not narrow it, not shut it down. And like, and and again, the worst thing you do is be purposefully dishonest. If you're if you're having debates and you're just being intellectually dishonest, and I do make a big distinction uh, because again, you've got people in media and you've got people in tech and the people that are creating and driving these narratives, they have objectives, and they're doing that you know for their own personal gain. I don't view them the same way as I view somebody who's vulnerable and in pain and susceptible to those messages and, uh, and therefore their perceptions out of whack because those are the people who's, we changed their perception. We changed the whole thing. You know, people are not vulnerable to the bullshit anymore. Then, uh, then that's the whole ball game. So I, I, I got a lot of hope as far as that goes. And, People should just be doing that in their own lives. Reach out to people, but be like, hey, I know you feel a certain way and you think you believe this and that because you've been taught it, but look, this is how it really is. And I'm a personally, I say it all the time. If you were to ever like reach out and like just pick one person and give them something that helped them in their life in a real way, whether that be information that they need, I'm not talking about money, whether anything, if you said to a lot of people that you saw struggling, hey, in a real way. Hey, what can I personally do to assist you? What is something that you've been trying to do or that you really need or that, you know, if, if you're, you're 
what do you want that you're not able to figure out? They're going to tell you something. They really will. And I, I, you know, if you're a person with resources and understanding, you're going to be able to help some of these people. If you do that, you're going to accomplish so much more than every fucking virtue signaling bullshit organization Marxist fucks that think they're doing some help. They're not, they're not doing any good in the world. You guys got to do that. I got to do it. We all do it. So anyway, on that inspirational note, I will wrap it up here. Uh, I really, really appreciate you guys uh, for tuning in. Thank you so much. And um, like I said, I'm going to be doing more of these. I should have another one within probably a week. And uh, hit me up on Twitter. If you have any topics, any questions, even if you, you know, want to be a guest or know someone, I'm going to start doing more interviews. So if you feel like somebody would uh, would contribute to the show as a guest, please hit me up on Twitter, John Katz Show. You can also email me, Show at gmail.com. And uh, I really love and appreciate each and every one of you. And I will see you in a few days. Thank you so much. Peace.